Hi, this is Pastor Bob. Today is number two in our series on continuing into the Word of God. We're going to talk about church leadership. How do we raise up church leadership? What do you look for in a church? We look for faithful people who continue in the Word of God, faithful to church. Again, this is the importance of the church, the importance of the Word of God, and the importance of God's Word in your life. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and good day again. Thank you for joining me on our broadcast where we began a series yesterday called Continue in the Word. This is the key to steadfastness. This is the key to following God and not varying. What the world needs today is disciples, but not only just disciples, they need consistent disciples, those that are stabilized in the word of God. And of course, that means you too. How does this happen? Well, we talked about it, we began yesterday by talking about converts and disciples. And all, actually, this began in Acts chapter two on verse 41 and verse 42. The very day the church started was the day also the local church began. The universal church began by 3,120 people receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 120 from the upper room. Then when Peter preached, 3,000 more were added to them. And so it says in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. This meant they had to come to the place where the apostles were. And I want you to notice two key words. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in fellowship, also in breaking of bread and in prayers. But I think they're mentioned in their order of importance. The most important thing they did was they continued steadfastly in the teaching of the apostles, which means they had to come to the place where the apostles were, which means as often as they came, and they came, and they came something like almost each day, and sometimes three times a day they would meet for prayer and all the other things they had in the temple. So here we have again that they met and continued steadfastly. This is what it is. So they continued, first of all, but notice this, they continued steadfastly. They didn't just come to church, they paid attention and they wrote notes down. They came back home and studied it afterwards. And this is what caused them to become so incredibly wonderful in the things of God. And the church began to spread and begin to do some great things. So the mission of the the local church is not only soul winning, and that's actually doing it in the church service, giving invitations, sending people out to win souls. But again, making disciples is probably the most key thing of what they did. Maturing saints to be soul winners, Ephesians 4.12. Again, our purpose of the local church is to mature the saints, to bring them up in the things of God. And so let's go to John chapter 8. And here the Lord spoke, and on this particular case, we covered this yesterday, but I wanna cover it one more time before we go on from here. John chapter eight, and this is when Jesus was preaching the gospel one day, and a group of, of Jews were surrounding him. Mainly it was Jewish people he was preaching to. And as he was speaking, he received a word of knowledge. And on that word of knowledge, he then acted on that because he knew by word of knowledge, many had believed on him. And it says in verse 30 of John chapter eight, it says, as he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, if you continue in my word, there's that same word. And again, we could add the word steadfastly to it, but Jesus just simply said that when you get born again, you start in the word of God. I mean, there's little slivers of the Bible that tell you how to get 
receive Jesus, how to get born again, or how to become a believer. All right. But then throughout the Old and New Testament, how to become a disciple was the same thing. You continue in the word. And Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. There's a freedom that comes from being born again, whom the son has set free is free indeed. But then there's a freedom that comes from understanding the word of God. The freedom that comes when you're born again is for your spirit. You're no longer spiritually dead. You're alive unto God. But freedom when it comes to discipleship is freedom of your soul, to renew your mind, your thinking, to where no matter what problem you face, you think of the word of God because why? You've continued in it. You've stood fast in it. And again, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. So it comes back again. What do you say to them? If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. So to really define a disciple, a disciple is one who continues in the word. A disciple is not just a spiritual buddy, not just a mentor, someone that teaches you outside the church. No, this is the main place within the local church for discipleship, and that's coming and attending church faithfully, continuing steadfastly in the teaching of the leadership of the church. I know you can get taught at home. I do too. I know I can get taught from good CDs I listen to or flash drives or books I've read. Things like this have helped me to grow in all these years. But I can tell you this, nothing comes like sitting in a church where you're sitting under somebody you know has been sent by God to minister to you. And you can learn in church which makes you more hungry for learning at home. When you come back home, you start to learn some more. It makes you more hungry to come back to church and the two just feed off of each other. The main means of discipleship is again, the teaching of the word of God. If the word makes disciples, then guess what? More word produces more disciples and more disciples produce more stable disciples and a more stable church. And again, a more stable body of Christ. We're seeing it today. Our nation is just going downhill day by day, but the strength of people that will not yield to it comes from those who are committed disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just converts. Converts can be just as weak as the world when it comes to withstanding the pressures that's put against Christians today. But I can tell you this, when it comes to standing and remaining steadfast, that's a person who has steadfastly continued in the word of God. I trust that's you. I trust by listening to this, you're beginning to get a little more convicted if you don't go to church, a little more convicted if you do go to church, but you're not consistent or even a little more convicted if you go and you are consistent to attend, but you don't listen while you're there. You don't focus steadfastly on what's being taught. Take notes, go home, look it up, because many people who go to church open up their Bible when they get to church or open up their iPad or whatever, they open it up to the scriptures and then don't even go back to it until next time they go to church. This ought to be something daily. Jesus talked about, give us this day our daily bread. And the daily bread is a reference to the word of God. Turn to Acts chapter six with me, if you would. We're gonna take a look at the first time disciples are really mentioned as far as discipling ministers and the power of a disciple within the local church and a power of discipleship in your own life. As we kind of go from the, the verse of scripture we were in, uh, in Acts chapter two, where Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and uh, 3,000 uh, souls were added and then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We go to chapter two, from chapter two to chapter three and four. And this is where uh, in chapter three, a miracle occurred. The man at the gate beautiful was healed. And of course, once he was healed, he went right into church. He followed them into the temple. I mean, that's so important that he followed. Uh, once he received Jesus and was healed, he followed them to church. And then we come to chapter four where there was some persecution 
persecution that arose in the church. And it was toward those who were in leadership. And it came by the Sanhedrin, the government of its day, of course, in Jerusalem, especially around the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they threatened them, telling them not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. What happens when you do that to some Christians? Oh, immediately they'll kowtow. Immediately they'll back up and say, oh, yes, yes, yes. I think we're supposed to be under submission to the laws of the land. When you have to have a choice between submitting to the laws of the land, and if that law of the land contradicts the word of God, you must go with the word of God. And that's why the disciples cordially said this. They said, sirs, whether to obey you or to obey God, we have no choice. They weren't mean about it. They didn't protest. They didn't scream and yell. They didn't uh, go to the evening news. They didn't put it on Facebook. None of this. What they simply said was, sir, we can't do that and we won't do that. And so they went back to church. Of course, a great revival began, especially in the church that day. God even shook the building where they were assembled together and they went out and preached even more in the name of Jesus. We come to chapter five and that's Ananias and Sapphira. But now we come to chapter six and we have the uh, need for growth in the church as far as helpers in the church. The church was growing exponentially, multiplying fastly, and the church services were getting larger, and the number of responsibilities in the church were being added, and they needed to add some help. So look at Acts chapter 6. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 7, dealing with the choice of those to help in the church. And this is not like a, a leading preacher or pastor in the church. This is people to help. We would call them deacons. And in Acts chapter six, verses one through seven, it says this, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. You know, I pastored for years and I can tell you murmuring in the church is always there. And said so there arose a murmuring and here's what it was because the uh, widows, were being neglected in the daily administration. And this was the Greek widows were being neglected and it seemed like the church leadership favored the Hebrew women. And of course, that's greatly possible. The leadership of the church was mainly, again, Hebrews. And so it said that the women thought they were being neglected, and probably so. In other words, in essence, racism was one of the first problems in the early church. But how did they settle it? They didn't settle it by government programs or bring people in. Let's talk this over. Let's have more respect toward one group to another. Though, they sat down and figured this out. And what the first thing they figured out was, this is true. I mean, we have Hebrews running this church. And our first thing is to think of the Hebrew women. And we are looking at the Greek women and we weren't thinking as strong of them. And you know what? That's wrong. Because God doesn't see any difference between a Hebrew and a Greek. He doesn't see any difference between men and women, young or old, rich or poor. If anybody's come and received Jesus and we have something for them, we need to take as much attention to everybody as God does toward the members of the body of Christ. So in verse two, it says, then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples to them and said, it is not reason or not pleasing that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. This had to do with finances toward the women and also food. So that say serving tables here refers to the food they would get out for them and also the finances given to them. And in verse three, so brothers look out among you seven men, notice this, first of all, of honest report. According to Timothy, this is inside the church and outside the church. If you poll people inside the church, these young men are of honest report. Outside, and look at their business, ask where they work. It may be they'll say, you know, we don't like this religion they have, but we can tell you one thing, these guys are honest. You get your word from them and they'll keep it. Next of all, full of the Holy Spirit. So they pray in tongues, speak in tongues. Next of all, wisdom, they're filled with the word of God. They come to church, they hear the word, but in their personal life, their life is filled with praying in the spirit. Then it goes on to say at the end of verse three, whom we may appoint over this business. 
but we will give ourselves primarily to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Stephen will occupy the remainder of this chapter and all of the coming chapter, chapter seven. It then goes on to say, then Philip. Philip will occupy chapter eight. He becomes the first evangelist in the book of Acts, and he will preach to the area of uh, Samaria. He'll go to Samaria and preach the word of God. Then it goes on, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, all these were chosen against seven of them whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them and the word of God increased. Notice this, once the responsibility was taken off of the church leadership to do these things of serving tables, greeting at the front door, ushering people coming in, a prayer line being a counselor to prayer line, all the different things we have for those responsibilities that take it off of the shoulders of the church leadership, the word of God increased. Why? They had more time to study. And the number of the disciples multiplied. When the word increases, disciples increase. And it goes on to say, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. That's the remainder of this chapter. As uh, the opening one that was mentioned there, that Stephen began to preach, numbers of priests were obedient to the faith and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and the church began to grow greatly. When we come back after the break, we'll take up from here, but I'm offering a series called The Importance of the Word of God in Your Life, Increasing in the Word of God, and how that's important to you. We'll see you right after the break. The early church saw great success by continuing in the Word of God. Success in your walk with God is found when you continue in His Word. God wants you to have an abundant entrance into heaven, and that is only possible as you become a disciple of Jesus and study His Word. In this seven-part teaching by Bob Yandian, you'll gain insight into the importance of the Word for success in your daily life as a child of God. Lessons include why do we go to church, power and refreshing, overcoming offenses, excuses and reasons, the cost of discipleship, the cost of commitment, and the lifestyle of a disciple. To order Continue in the Word, visit our website at bobyandian.com. A new book just came in. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Well, welcome back after halftime. I want to admonish you also, you know, because I'm teaching these things. This is coming from my own personal life. 
and I was raised in church. One thing I just wanted to do, I just wanted to help around the church. I mean, I almost became a pest as far as the pastor was concerned. I just pestered him, you know, can I do anything around here? I even said, I'll quit my job and become your associate pastor if you want. And of course, at that time, I was just teaching in the church and helping around the church. And I had no qualifications as far as the pastor was concerned. I hadn't gone to Bible school except for a small Bible school. And I hadn't, you know, did not have a degree or whatever. And really he didn't know me that well, but I just, I just had a desire to help around the church and I did. Man, my wife and I, since our church was portable when we first began, we went from building to building and one of the places we went was a school building and we had to set up our own equipment every week when we went there and used it. But of course I helped them set up chairs. My wife and I helped them set up the, the cribs for the children's church. And then also I did the recording at the church, you know, and then back then I would bring the PA equipment in and all the recording equipment. So I was handling all of that, the audio work and all that. But we just helped whenever we could never ask for any money, didn't want any money. My greatest thrill was just to serve in the church. And of course I studied at home. I'd gone to Bible school felt a real call on my life that I would be a teacher one day. So I actually put sermons together and I had no place to preach them. And so I'd look for anything possible. When the pastor would ask, you know, we need someone to teach a class, I'd be the first one there. But I did deacon work, much like we talked about these seven here in the first half of this uh, broadcast, the seven that were chosen in Acts chapter six uh, to take up these responsibilities. From those came the first teacher, Stephen, and after that, the first evangelist, Philip, and he occupied chapter eight. And so from this group, we find a calling in the ministry. I just know through the years as I pastored, some 33 years I pastored, most everybody I sent out from the church were not just people that were, uh, say, tra uh, traveling ministers that attended our church or, or evangelists that attended our church or whatever. They were people within the church. Oftentimes they went to Rama Bible Training Center here in Tulsa or ORU, and, uh, but also they just worked around the church and, and they volunteered. And from those volunteer positions, often we would hire them on to be a youth director or a children's director or work at our Christian school or whatever. And one became my associate pastor and they started out with these humble beginnings of just what can we do to help? Again, almost becoming a pest and we'd look for a place to put them in, but oh, they were so faithful. They weren't so smart in the beginning, they were just faithful and the smarts came along later as they uh, worked with people and worked with people. And so one day they would come to me and say, we're called to minister. I'd lay hands on them, send them out. And today, I mean, by the time I left the church, and step down from the church. I just remember, we will look back in history to see how many we had record of that we ordained out of there that were pastoring, but so many of them went out and we didn't ordain them. They just went out and began a church somewhere and they got ordained in some local area around them or with some group of people and some called back and got ordained through us. But I mean, we had hundreds, hundreds, we couldn't even keep track of them, of all the churches that went out and some overseas and missions work in all those 33 years. And honestly, it was incredible incredible that by the time that I left the church and stepped down, we had taken as much as possible, invited many of them back as possible. And then through the years, I've been invited to churches and say, well, you know, how did you know about me? They said, we attended the church. You laid hands on us and sent us out. Well, there were so many, I couldn't remember them all. This is the type of thing. And now today I look at those churches and now they're being pastored by somebody else because they as pastors stepped down and retired or went into semi-retirement or whatever. And someone else took the church and I began to realize, all those hundreds and thousands of people have been saved and churches formed out of their church and forms ch churches formed out of the churches that came out of their church just keeps growing and growing. And one day I'll stand in heaven. Probably my mind will be blown. If your mind can be blown in heaven.
I mean, I will stand there amazed at all the people that came from just the work I had, which I came out from under somebody else and literally look back on them. But it came to a point where I literally decided I want the word of God to be number one in my life and the power of the Holy Spirit, of course, but the word number one. And so again, discipleship I found in my own life is almost impossible without a faithful church to attend to and a faithful church to give attention to the word of God that when I go, it's focused around the word of God. Let's take a look at Mark chapter four. This is the parable of the sower. And Mark chapter four, we're gonna tie it in with another verse over in 2 Timothy chapter two. But I just want you to take a look at the parable of the sower. There's four types of ground in this parable. And let's take a look at it in verse 13 down through verse 25. He that is Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will then you know all parables? The parable he's referring to was uh, seven different parables in a row of which the main one was the sower sowing the word and the sower sowing the seed. And this is not a parable about sowing the gospel. It's a parable about a Christian attending a place where he can receive the word of God. And this is on discipleship. This is not a parable on evangelism. Jesus gave another one of those, and that was in chapter 13 of Matthew, where there he talked about that he, Jesus, was the one that sowed, but it was the it was the gospel. It wasn't the word of God. It was the gospel to get people saved. And then Satan came along right right behind and sowed tares that look like it. And that's going to be talking about the coming tribulational time. But the time we're dealing with right now, this in Mark chapter four, verse 13 through 25 is raising up disciples. Those who have been born again and moving on past the new birth, as Jesus said to those who just believed in him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Let's begin in verse 30, uh, verse 13. Mark chapter four and verse 13, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? I'm sure they all went, uh-huh, yeah, sure, uh-huh. How then will you know all parables? The sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside when the word is sown, that when they have heard Satan comes immediately, if you can underline a word, underline that word immediately. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These are those likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness, underline the word immediately. Verse 17, they have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately, there's that word again, they are offended. And these are those which are sown among thorns, such as here the word, the cares and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. These are those which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. And he said to them, is a lamp bought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a lampstand? For there's nothing hidden which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret that it should come abroad. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, take heed what you do hear. With what measure you measure it out, it shall be measured back to you. And to you who hear, more shall be given. For he who has, to him will be given. And to him that has not, from him shall be taken, even that which he already has. This particular parable that we are looking at right now is gonna be the subject of which I will carry on for another few days. We'll keep coming back to it because everything's gonna be amplified from this parable. And you know what Jesus said about them? about this parable to his disciples in verse 13. Do you not understand this parable? 
How then will you know all parables? You know what Jesus was saying? This parable is a key to understanding the entire word of God. If we can condense the word of God down to one simple thing, it is the law of sowing and reaping, the parable of the sower and the seed. And Jesus said, if you understand this parable, you'll know all parables are basically all teachings of the word of God can come to pass. This parable is basically a large overview of the plan of God and how to make disciples out of converts is just one of those. And the overall view of the plan of God, most Bible doctrines can be taught from this one parable of sowing and reaping. You start off with a seed, you end up with a crop. Grace can be taught from this particular parable. Faith can be taught from this parable. Healing, finances, maturity of which we're talking about, which now is discipleship. Even a believer's death and resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15 is compared to sowing and reaping. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. So this particular case, we're talking about this, the importance again of this key parable, sowing and reaping. Let's talk about uh, the teachings here in this parable because this parable teaches five truths. First truth that comes from this is the character of God. And in this particular case, we talk about it is that the Lord gives the seed and all these things. So the character of God is brought out of this parable. God is a giver. It's his nature to give. It's not his nature to steal. James chapter one and verse 17 tells us this, that the nature of God is to be a giver. He's not the one that steals from us. Point number two, again, of the five truths in this parable, the second truth is this, the character of Satan is Satan is a thief. John chapter 10 and verse 10. Since Satan has never created anything and cannot create anything, he can only attempt to steal what God has made and God has given. He uses demons, circumstances, and people. These are the birds in this parable that come to steal the seed. Number three, the sower is the pastor, the leader of the church. And Jesus in this is going to be introducing the church that is to come. So he's now beginning to give. And he mentioned this word later on in Matthew where he said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In that case, he was talking about the entire church, but also he had to be talking about the local church because the local church is the manifestation of the entire church. So Jesus himself uh, is uh, mentions here that the sower in this parable is not himself. Jesus mentioned himself as a sower, but it was in a different parable, Matthew chapter 13, verses 36 and 37. In this particular parable, the pastor's main responsibility is to feed the church of God. This is found in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, and he covers the ground equally and without partiality and cast the seed to everyone. Point number four, and we'll continue with this one tomorrow when we come back and also the next point. The seed is God's word. The sower sows the word. And I want you to notice this, the seed here is not the gospel. It's not the gospel message. It is the word of God for the growth of those who have received the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as we come to the end of this broadcast, I want to simply remind you again, thank you to all of those who faithfully support support me and support this broadcast. I'm here because of the strength of God and the call of God, but I'm also here because of the giving of people. We work together. 
We are God's workers here in this earth. And we not only take the word of God and give it out ourselves as far as witnessing, but we support those who do teach and those who do evangelize and those who do missions work. And I thank you for supporting me in this. So if you'd like to become a partner with me, go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place on there where you can become a partner with me on the website. And I look forward to hearing from you to join this wonderful group around me that love God, love the word of God and love Pastor Bob. Thank you so much for it. Have a great day and I'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.